Blog Talk Radio. This is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. That's 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to make things better. And isn't that the goal, making things better? Hi there. Um, Welcome to the program. Coming to you from the offices of Lives in the Balance today. Um, These are your 45 minutes. This program is sponsored by Lives in the Balance. Um, Lives in the Balance was created to help you make things better with your challenging kid. And uh, we set these 45 minutes aside every week during the school year. I'm going to take the summer off. Every week during the school year, we set this 45 minutes aside to, uh, well, kick back a little bit. Hopefully the kids are in school. Think. Think about challenging kids and why they're challenging. Think about uh, what we could be doing to make things better. And let's face it, better's better. There's no litmus test for better. If it's better, it's better. And the goal is for your improved understanding of your challenging child and your use of Plan B. Those are the ingredients collaborative problem solving brings to the table to try to help make things better between you and your child. Uh, whether your child is uh, two or 17, uh, this is how we do it. So if you're working with a, uh, if you're living with a kid who you're trying to do Plan B with, and we're going to hear some from folks today who are trying to do Plan B but not having much success, and the goal, of course, is to figure out why things are not going as well as they could. Plan B is hard. It takes a little getting used to. It takes some breaking of old Plan A habits. Um, it's hard. So people do run into trouble with Plan B. They run into trouble in the empathy step, trying to get the kids' concerns on the table and trying to put their concerns on the on the shelf so they can figure out what the kids' concerns are. We parents, we sure do have a lot of theories for why our kids are doing the stuff they're doing that we wish they weren't and why they're not doing the stuff we wish they were. We got theories Often in the empathy step, you've got to put those theories on the side to try to figure out from the kid what his concern or perspective is on the unsolved problem you're trying to solve with him. But that's hard. Putting your own theories on the side is hard. Drilling for information so that you get the information you need from the kid and to understand his concern as well as you possibly can, hard. Takes some getting used to. Uh, getting your concern on the table and the define the problem step, hard, not as hard as it used to be, but hard. Um, 
brainstorming solutions in the invitation, inviting the kid to solve the problem with you, and inviting him to come up with solutions with you that are both realistic, meaning both of y'all can do what you've agreed to do, both of y'all can do your part of the solution, and mutually satisfactory, meaning the solution truly addresses the concerns of the two parties that you got onto the table in the first two steps, that's um, that's hard. So it's hard. And yet, uh, when you stick with it, your early ones are for practice, by the way. People go into Plan B with great hope, and uh, you may have to wait a little while for the hope to be realized while you're getting your practice in, because I'm not sure there's any miraculous plan B in your future, just hard work plan B and sticking with it plan B and getting better at it over time plan B, and early on, practice plan B. I know we want to get the problem solved, but we're not going to get that many of them solved until we get a little practice under our belts. So these are your 45 minutes. Um, Let's think a little about who your challenging kid is, how he came to be challenging, in what conditions he's challenging. Those of you who know the collaborative problem-solving approach know that's called unsolved problems, the conditions in which a challenging kid is challenging. And those of you who know the model already know that those conditions are actually highly predictable. If you, yeah, I know it doesn't feel that way. I know. It uh, feels like those challenging episodes come from out of the blue, from out of nowhere. But I find that when I have parents keep track of challenging episodes for a week, what it was, what unsolved problem it was that the kid became challenging over or that the challenging episode occurred over, uh, they start to see that there's a pattern. Um, Typical unsolved problems, you know, brushing your teeth, taking a bath, taking a shower, getting your brain out from in front of the screen when it's time to come in for dinner, homework, getting out of bed in the morning, going to bed at night, taking your meds. All that disrespectful behavior that you were thinking was an unsolved problem, I'm thinking it probably occurs in response to unsolved problems that aren't being handled all that well, probably with Plan A. Plan A hasn't solved those problems for you. No great risk in trying something new. The biggest hard part of trying something new is you're not that good at it yet, and the kid's not that good at it either. It could take a while. That call-in number, I don't have any planned callers today, but callers always take priority on this program. So if you call in, you get right on 347-994-2981. 347-994-2981. So if you have a uh, burning question that you've been uh, dying to ask, uh, good time to call in. If, you've, uh, if you're not so sure you want to ask that question live, so that other people can hear you, or uh, people listening to the recorded version can hear you, well, then don't call in. Instead, send me an email through the uh, 
Lives in the Balance website, just go to www.livesinthebalance.org, go to the contact page, send the email, and I'll get it during the program. And if I can answer it during the program, I will. Sometimes those pregnant pauses you hear are me reading an email um, while trying to talk at the same time. Uh, here's what I thought we'd start with this week. I've gotten a few emails this week that I thought I'd answer. Here's one. Uh, we are desperately trying to use the collaborative problem-solving approach with our adolescent son. He's diagnosed with ADHD, OCD, sensory integration disorder, anxiety, dot, dot, dot. My husband and I, along with our other children, are really making an effort at using the coping skills and empathy, but my son's not responsive at all. No matter how empathetic we are, he seems to become angrier and less willing to be part of the solution. Where do we go from here? Well, let's start off by saying that's frustrating. Um, once again, I have high hopes for Plan B in any family in which it's being implemented, and so do the folks at home who are implementing it. And it's always tough when something you have high hopes for doesn't go all that well in the beginning. Caller, I see that you've called. I'm going to answer this question, and then I promise we'll put you on the air. Uh, but there's a few points about this email that I want to uh, want to make sure we emphasize. Uh, this kid's got, uh, well, at least four different diagnoses. Um, and once again, I'm not allergic to diagnoses. I just don't find them to be terribly informative. Plus, there's a bunch of things about diagnoses I don't especially like. Um, what do I like about diagnoses? They help us recognize that there's something different about this kid, but I sure do wish we didn't need a diagnosis to know that. Um, diagnoses help parents know what support group to belong to so that they can find other people who've got a kid who may have some similarities. Diagnoses validate parents' feeling that something's different about this kid. Yeah. He's lacking crucial thinking skills is what's different about him. That's why he's challenging. And what the diagnosis tells you, and yes, now I'm entering the downside of diagnoses, diagnoses tell you what the kid is doing because of those lagging skills. But they don't tell you why he's doing what he's doing. Why is he doing what he's doing? Lagging skills plus demands for those skills. He's challenging when the environment is demanding skills he's lacking. That's when challenging kids are challenging. That's when they do the things that are those behaviors that qualify them for diagnoses. But diagnoses don't tell you why. They just tell you what he's doing. And diagnoses make it sound like it's the kid who's got something. Now, I'm the first to agree that challenging kids are lacking crucial cognitive skills, but I'm not all that big on pathologizing kids because of their challenging behavior. I'd rather figure out when they're challenging, and now you know, when the demands being placed upon them exceed the skills that they have to respond adaptively, I'd rather figure out what skills they're lacking. Diagnoses don't tell you that. Diagnoses don't tell you when either. Uh, I'd rather figure out what 
unsolved problems are reliably and predictably setting in motion challenging behavior. That's unsolved problems. I'd rather make a list of the unsolved problems that are setting in motion challenging behavior so we know the problems that need to be solved so that this kid's not challenging anymore. I find that diagnoses don't accomplish that mission. I was in a meeting in Toronto on uh, Thursday last week with uh, some of the juvenile detention folks uh, in Canada. Folks came from all different provinces in Canada to uh, try to better serve kids who are in corrections facilities in Canada. Um, One of the discussions that we had was the need to improve public awareness of mental health issues. And um, the point I was making was that I'm not sure that diagnoses move the discussion forward. There's two reasons for that. Number one, kids don't always look like they have whatever their diagnosis is. Most diagnoses are part-time diagnoses because the kid's only exhibiting the challenging behavior that comprises the diagnosis on a part-time basis. That, I think, makes people a little bit skeptical about diagnoses because they're not exactly sure why a kid would look like he has oppositional defiant disorder only part of the time. Of course, he's lacking skills full-time. It's just that those skills aren't being demanded full-time, and that explains why he isn't challenging full-time. Not sure diagnoses move the conversation forward as it relates to helping the universe understand challenging kids more accurately, more compassionately, more productively, and intervene in ways that are more compassionate and productive. Plus, and this is this is an interesting piece of information, even the mental health professionals often don't agree on what the kid's diagnosis is. Sometimes you take a kid to five different mental health professionals, he ends up with five different diagnoses. Uh, Do diagnoses move the conversation forward on helping people understand challenging kids or do lagging skills move the conversation forward? So uh, it doesn't surprise me that your 13-year-old, going back to our email now, has accumulated at least four different diagnoses. Now let's get to the uh, plan B part of this. Uh, The email says we're really making an effort. Good for you at using the coping skills and empathy, but he's not responsive at all. Now, I can't answer this question in a real specific way. Why isn't he responsive at all? But um, I want you to know that although the empathy step is named the empathy step, the main ingredient of the empathy step is information gathering and understanding, not empathy. So that, that could be one reason that Um, He's not being responsive. Empathy alone isn't going to help us gather information about and understand your son's unsolved problems, his concern or perspective on the unsolved problems you're trying to talk to him about. Empathy will only take you so far. I know it's called the empathy step, but the main ingredient is information gathering and understanding. But I have another uh, theory here. It says, no matter how empathetic we are, he seems to become angrier and less willing to be part of the solution. My reading of the tea leaves on that, the word angrier, 
says to me that there's some possibility that he was angry already, which tells me, if I'm reading between the lines here, that we may be trying to use Plan B emergently rather than proactively. If he's angry already, that's emergency Plan B, and your best friend is proactive Plan B. Because um, most kids, once they're already angry, and sometimes it's Plan A that's the reason they're already angry, and Plan A is not the best way to segue into Plan B because it makes us the only Plan B that's available to us once the kid's already angry because we did Plan A is emergency Plan B because he's already angry. I'd rather do proactive Plan B on whatever unsolved problems, and you'd want to pick two or three to focus on initially can't solve all of them at once. Good to have a list of all of them just so you know what your future looks like after you get two or three unsolved problems solved. You still got a bunch waiting for you. And although that sounds like a lot of work, it's better than not getting them solved. I'd rather do proactive plan B before he gets angry on these specific unsolved problems that we're trying to work with him on right now. With not empathy is not the main ingredient though. We gotta get information about the kid's concern or perspective on the unsolved problems we're trying to work with him on. That's what the empathy step is for. Then, just by way of reminder, in the define the problem step, you're getting your concern or perspective on the table on the same unsolved problem. And then in the invitation, you're inviting the kid to brainstorm solutions with you so as to come up with ones that are realistic and mutually satisfactory. So the unsolved problem gets solved, and so he's not getting angry, and so he's more willing to be part of the solution. I hope that helps. Now I'm going to turn our attention to our caller. Callers take priority on this program, and we've got one, and you're on the air. Welcome to the program. Hello. Is, is, this, uh, is this me on the air? This is you. Okay, great. Um, I just want to start off by saying uh, thank you for putting this um, this talk radio blog together. Um, I know I've enjoyed it. I've been listening since about uh, January of this year, so I listen to them. I listen to them over and over. So I think it's a great resource for uh, parents who are dealing with um, these issues, as I am. I'm delighted that you're finding it to be helpful. Um, I'll start off by giving a brief description. My son is a. I have just a don't, use boy. don't use any names. Don't use any names or locations, just so we can keep this location. anonymous. Yep. Um, I have an 11 year old boy. Um, we have um, two other siblings. He's the oldest of three. And um, we. He's been in and out of re a residential, or not a residential, a partial um, program, uh, hospital, hospital program. And with and getting diagnosis, and um, they they have not adapted or used Plan B. They do everything, or are collaborative problem solving. They do everything through a very rigid, scheduled daily routine, and there's a lot of one-on-one, -on -one and um, then he would go from a, a period of time where he was there for about almost three to four weeks, at a time, twice, and then he would come home and do partial. And then he would do fantastic while he was in the hospital itself. But when he would come home, we would still see a lot of the um, 
a lot of the unsolved problems um, evolve there, um, evolve in form us in front of us, and we 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 tried. My wife and I tried looking for those opportunities, as you mentioned in the first, um, the last email about um, speaking to him in a proactive way to try to get him to to talk. And the 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 emailer mentioned that um, the boy would get or the child would get angrier. We we find the same thing. We we have that find that opportunity to actually engage him in that type of a conversation. It finds very very difficult because as soon as you even begin to start using and talking to him in any kind of way um, with regards to how you're feeling or you know what's going on, I can tell you something's not you're not feeling what's going on. I see that you're upset. It, it, it instantly turns into a, a difficult situation. So just beginning to try to get him into that mode starts off automatically an unsolved problem. And I, we're in this catch-22 right now where we're getting, now we're getting home-based um, care at, in the evenings and people are coming and we get a couple of different counselors that's coming to the house and working with us as a family and working with us, working with him individually to try to help him. But they're not going about it with unsolved problems. They're just trying to help us and help him fit back in with the family. And this could this could last forever as far as or as long as they're willing to work with us. It's just so difficult and we're the next possible step is for him to possibly go into a residential treatment for six to twelve months and it just kinda kills us to think that this could possibly be the case. And during those times where there's just such explosions as a parent, you're, you feel helpless, you feel uh, you feel stuck, and you know the, it's just it's just very 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 difficult. And I just wanted to kind of find out some more. I mean, I listen to you all the time. I try to use the as best I possibly can. I use the lists. I try to use the unsolved problem lists and. It, it's just been so so difficult to to get through, and I just was looking for any kind of words of encouragement of any any way, shape, or form that would help through this. Well, uh, number one, first, first of all, thanks for calling. But secondly, it sounds like you are in a real hard situation. Um, I can tell from your voice how hard it is and how upsetting it is mm -hmm. to have a kid who you are worried about and um, who you're trying to help and with whom things are still not going well despite your best efforts and that's yeah. very discouraging sometimes well I, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be discouraging ever um, in terms of words of encouragement well one of the main ways that I encourage people is to let them know that there's help out there. Um, the the help that you're getting, I'm not clear enough on to know if it's helping you do yeah. Plan B. What I could am hearing is, well, go ahead. Is that something that I could email you with more detail, or is that absolutely? Um, okay. And 
and I, 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 I answer them as quick you know. as I can. Sometimes they pile mm-hmm. up, so um, forgive me if they pile up. I, I usually answer them very early in the morning and in airports, and if the airplane has Wi-Fi, then a lot of them get done, but mm-hmm. most airplanes don't have Wi-Fi yet, so they're piling up. But um, I'm making a dent these days, so you should absolutely feel free to do that. But okay. I don't think you're the only parent. In fact, I'm sure you're not the only parent who's listening, who's in a similar situation. And although I do this program to provide as much information about collaborative problem solving as I can possibly get out there and make it as accessible to people as I possibly can, uh, it's clear that uh, in some situations, just this program and the content I'm providing and the other stuff that's on the Lives in the Balance website isn't quite getting the job done. And um, that's why I'm going back to, um, it sounds like your son is in a very regimented program during the day. Yeah, that he, he isn't, doesn't have any problems at school. Right. But when he does go back to school, like he just went back to school yesterday, it was his first day back, and today he's now, um, he, he's, he does fine. You know, I drop him off at school every day, and he has an explosion just about every morning over whatever it may be waffles, uh, brushing it, like you say, any, it could be any number of things. He decompresses when he's with me in the car and we kind of have a little discussion and we talk. Those are the times, those little moments that I, I'm able to find to use the, um, you know, collaborative problem-solving plan proactively. And it's, I know that I try to think about what you say, like, if he could do it, he would. And we talk about it and he say, he says the right things, but when it comes time to working on them, that's where it gets we get lost. And, and then the rest of the family is pretty much walking on eggshells, trying to I'm sure not well, given, not upset him. Right. Given what you're describing, walking on eggshells sounds like um, what you're doing right now. But let's go to when you say he's saying the right things. That's something I want to hear a little bit more about. But the piece that also concerns me is that you're getting a lot of help. You're, he, he was in a special program during the day. Uh, it doesn't sound like it was a Plan B program, and no. many Plan A programs um, get a kid looking pretty good through use of Plan A because they're able to pull it off because they've, well, they're able to pull it off. But I've come to call that making the kid look artificially good. Yes, I because agree. Because the most important thing is not what the kid looks like while he's in the program, but whether the program is setting the stage through what they're doing in the program for how he's going to look once he leaves. And it sounds like that may not be working out so well, and that's not an unfamiliar scenario either. But it also sounds like you're getting help at home uh, with some in-home services, which is outstanding. Um, but I... I'm not necessarily hearing that the folks who are helping you in the home are giving you much help on doing Plan B either. No, that help has just started. And then that was one of the very first questions I asked him when we did the intake, and, we, and I asked him about specifically if they know your technique and your your program that you and they didn't. And that kind of was discouraging right off the bat because the times that it has worked for me 
and for my wife, it's worked well. And I know going in, I don't. I, I'm I'm going in wondering how are they how are they going to try to pull this off? How are they going to try to help us deal with his unsolved problems where they're not calling them unsolved problems? They're calling them behavioral issues that we have to try to work through. And that's sometimes use, a hint. They use safety plans and different rewarding type system, ah, and it kind of just it's kind of um, it, it's just I don't everything I've listened and heard and read of yours seems like you have the right you have the right direction that I think it's it's like I could insert name here kind of thing. And, right. and no matter what you, no matter what the callers say, no matter what you say, it seems like it's that you could be talking about me at any moment in time, and in our family, and that that's where it's discouraging of trying to find not only because of insurance, but everything else that we're trying to find the right fit to help us get through these difficult times. I mean, we just we love them to death. We we you know, we want them to feel better and we want us to feel better and it's just it's just been it's been really a, a struggle it, it sounds like it has been extremely hard let, let me go back let me see if i can help you out a little bit here but then definitely email me through the lives in the balance website uh, i'm not going to say where you're from but i'm seeing from your area code that there may be some folks in your area who i might be able to refer you to for some help um, I don't always know folks in a particular well, area. Well, I know I know one of the persons that we did have as a counselor saw you speak at one of the local businesses, and I know that their facility is trying to work on life and balance. But unfortunately, my insurance wouldn't allow. It's just it's not. It's just, and it was an insurance well, issue. Let's see if we can find you somebody else. Let me okay. let me just home in here on. Okay, thank you. The things that your son is saying, you, you said he was, um, you, you do sometimes get some information out of him. Mm-hmm. And you did, you did right sneak in a few specific unsolved problems in there. Brushing teeth, I heard. Uh, yeah. I forget what the other one was. Was it getting to school or was it? Uh, you know, what it could be we ran out of, we have only two waffles left and he wanted four. Oh, uh, waffles, he wanted you said. Three. Yeah, yeah. So that it, it could be something as simple as, as simple as that, you know. Wow, you probably read the beginning of the explosive child and think, oh if it wasn't gosh, a girl, then it must be my kid. Yeah, every single thing that I've seen so far, it's insert name here. I mean, it's just it can be anything. To my socks don't feel right. I don't like the length of these socks. I don't like this particular pair of underwear. I don't like, you know, I don't want to take a shower right now. He has a lot of. He's been diagnosed with, like you said, he doesn't care about the diagnosis, but Asperger's. Uh, slight Tourette's, um, ADHD, he's on medication. He was on a lot of medication at one point, and I think it masked a lot of these unsolved problems. He had a dystonic seizure at one point that brought him to the hospital originally. They kind of took the medicine down. Now we're at a decent level of medication, but I think that they masked the unsolved problems. Now now that... the, the diagnoses give me some hints, not great hints, but some hints. And the unsolved problems are giving us some hints about what's getting in your son's way. But let me ask this. On yeah. the waffles, do you think it was because he had an idea in his head 
and he's the type of kid who gets an idea in his head and it would take an earthquake to shake it loose. And or, do you think what we have here is a kid who, even outside, the, especially outside the context of frustration, is just very irritable a lot? Who we got here? Um, Which of those two, if not both, rings most true for your son? Well, in, in some cases, I feel a combination of both. But if the waffles were there, he wouldn't probably, there would be something else that would make him explode. But when he first wakes up, his first question may be, can I have waffles this morning? And then I got to, you know, go downstairs and hope there's enough for him. So those are the eggshells that were, that I was mentioning, you know, wondering if, if there's enough to constantly, I, he does seem like there are a lot of, and like I said, this to find those times where it's difficult to find the opportunity to work with proactive because he is upset a lot of times during the day. He's right, and so we are definitely going to want to make an we're going to want to make an appointment with him because we don't want to surprise him with right. even with proactive Plan B. Yeah, we constantly have to make him aware of every little change that we are about to do ahead of time or it, it makes it even more difficult. So he does internally, I think he plans internally because of who he is and what he deals with. And so he's, he's, he's planning what's coming. Yeah. And if uh, the plans of the day uh, deviate from his well, ideas he, about the way yeah. the day was going to go, you're in trouble. Yeah. Is that... That's, that's a lot of that's a lot of it. That's, that's got it. And that's what I'm always um, looking for is what's a lot of it. And that's and I don't you know it's hard for me to say in the little brief amount of time that we've been talking what's a lot of it. But just trying to take little tidbits from what you've been saying, I think that you've hit the nail on the head. Your son sounds like he's got a plan in mind and may even be constantly planning, may not yeah. be terribly aware, uh, as, as lots of kids who are very black and white thinkers who get ideas in their heads and it's very hard for them to shake them loose. As a lot of those kids do, they're not always very aware that there's plans going on around them. They're more aware of the planning they're doing in their head. And many of them are so unaware of the plans going on around them that the plans going on around them, when they finally um, come face-to-face -face with them, cause them to be extremely upset because they're completely different from what they were anticipating was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And one would think, hope, that that experience, well, geez, I thought it was going to go a different way, but they clearly, my parents thought it was going to go a different way than I did. I should start thinking about uh, what's going on around me so that my parents... Uh, so that I'm aware of what the plans of other people are. Unfortunately, that doesn't tend to happen in the type of kid we're talking about right now. Right, right. And that so he's not necessarily say, learning from experience either. Yeah. I guess my that's question why is... That's I say during the yeah. right... During, when, during those times where I remember you saying you were interested by saying he said the right things. When we do have our discussions and we do come up with the, with what I think and what he thinks is it definitely... A, a good mutual agreement when we lay our both of our concerns on the table, which I honestly, at trying, trying to have done everything and really 
try to make them almost more towards his side of the table, I'll give a lot to make it more easily advantageous to him when we do our final, you know, discussion and how we come up with the with the answer. And yet, it's still not enough because when it gets into that situation, comes or comes up again, it's um, it, it it doesn't. The problem usually it still does not. It still arises. It still comes up. And and I don't know how to. I don't know how to deal with. I don't know where to go. Is basically how. Where do, am I right. approaching the whole thing wrong? Because everything that we've tried still is not working. And well, and that would require a finer grained analysis than than we have time left on this program for me to do. Yeah, of precisely what we we would have to pick a specific unsolved problem that you've tried to solve with him. I'd have to hear about what we found out his concern was in the empathy step. If his concern wasn't one of the goals here, as you're talking about it, is why are the solutions... One one issue is, how come he won't talk to us? That's question number one. Although, But now we're talking about on the times when he does talk to us. Uh, and, and by the way, how I would deal with the he won't talk to us is... I, at the very least, would not want to surprise him with proactive plan B, and I certainly wouldn't want to be doing emergency plan B. Some kids need us to make an appointment with them so that they know that uh, plan B is coming. Otherwise, they get surprised and they they have trouble participating. But we're now moving on to um, how come the solutions that you both are coming up with to the unsolved problems uh, aren't standing the test of time when the unsolved when the when the issue arises again and that there's a few different possibilities for why that could be that could be that his concerns weren't as well clarified as we thought they were in the empathy step it could be that and that would simply require more drilling for information uh, it could be that um, his you're not being so clear about what your your concern is in the define the problem step and it could be that the solutions, and this is where I'm going to lay my money, although I'd lay some money on the empathy step, but I would lay most of my money on the invitation. It could also be that the solution that's being agreed to isn't as realistic and mutually satisfactory as it first seems, despite his reassurances that that it is realistic and mutually satisfactory for him. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do given that we don't have time to go through that in the time that we have left on this program, mm-hmm. um, email me through the Lives in the Balance website. Just go to the contact form and send me. Uh, but provide me with a description, if you would, of a very specific unsolved problem, one that, and, and what you discovered his concerns were on that unsolved problem, and what concerns you laid on the table uh, as your concerns about that unsolved problem, and the solution that you guys came up with um, and we'll talk about it first thing next week. Uh, you can always call in first thing next week, but um, if if you email me this stuff, let's see if I can help you figure out why the solutions aren't working when he and you are trying to do Plan B together. Um, and maybe we would even talk a little bit more about reasons that kids don't participate in Plan B. Uh, but also remind me that... Um, You'd like the names of some potential people in your area who are 
doing collaborative problem solving because it sure does sound like the help that you're getting right now isn't giving you help at plan B. It's giving you help at plan A, and it sounds like you really could use some folks to help guide you through the process in ways that this program and emailing may not sufficiently allow. Okay. Sound like a deal? Sounds like a deal. Good. I greatly appreciate you calling in today. And No problem. I've been wanting to, and uh, and it just today was a good opportunity, and uh, the email that was sent to kind of help lead into it as well. So Excellent. Um, well, I'm glad you did, I, and I hope it wasn't too terrible, and let's see if we can get right. you the help you need and give you the encouragement that you're seeking. Thank you very much. You bet. All right. Boy, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of um, unhappiness out there and despair. And um, the only way that I know, besides providing people with as much support as I can and trying to create mechanisms for providing support, and uh, yes, Lives in the Balance is busy at work for creating many of those mechanisms, um, uh, the best way is to help people who are working and living with a kid understand that challenging behavior is the byproduct of lagging skills, that those lagging skills are especially a problem when they're being demanded by the environment. That happens under highly specific conditions called unsolved problems. And that's where Plan B comes in. Because plan B is a way to solve problems. Yes, plan A is another way to solve problems, but with plan A, the kid's concern or perspective isn't being heard. It's being blown off the table. It isn't being addressed. And therefore, the problem isn't getting solved. And um, it's still really hard out there because plan A is still the convention and he's manipulative, attention-seeking, coercive, unmotivated, limit-testing is still the conventional wisdom. But um, I'm actually pretty optimistic. I find that we are making a dent. And um, I don't plan to let up anytime soon. And I know lots of folks who are committed to collaborative problem-solving who don't plan on letting up anytime soon. So uh, my attitude is, bad as it sometimes looks, the outcome is not in doubt. Sometimes we just have to try to make sure that people get the help they need. And, uh, well, we'll do our best. We'll uh, see what we can do. Um, geez, I'm trying to decide here. Yes, that was a pregnant pause. Sometimes that happens on the program. We have a caller, um, but we only have two minutes left in the program. So let's see if the caller can be supremely brief. I'm going to bring our caller on the air. You're on the air, but we only now have about one minute left. Go ahead. We may have to continue with you next week. You're on the air. Okay. Are, are you listening to me? I am indeed. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll be real brief. Uh, my child has had some uh, little incidents at school where he's got notes home and whatnot. You know, they always play with uh, guns and whatnot, toy guns around the yard. And at school, they use their fingers just playing playing around. Well, the other day, one child was talking about a movie with guns, and my son went up to him and used his finger and said, I'm going to blow your brains out. Just playing. Second grade kids. He got kicked out of school for three days. I'd like your response on that, a second grade <laughs> kid. 
Wow, that's quite a thing to end the program on. Um, yeah. Let's pretend that you've given me all the details I need, that that's all there is to it. And yeah. uh, The only thing is he's got a little note. He got a note home for calling the kid dude once. Got another little deal. It's nothing major. Got it. Well, I only have about 30 seconds to give you the answer, so I'm going to give you the answer with a question. Okay. The question is, is suspending a kid for three days the best way to teach him is that uh, a not-so-atypical but still inappropriate second-grade behavior, uh, pretending your fingers are a gun and telling someone that you're going to shoot them, is suspending him for three days the best way to teach him what we want to teach him. And um, if you've been listening to this program, uh, you know my answer. There may be more details on that story that we're lacking, and I would like to encourage our caller, if he wants to, to call next week. But that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening. Hope this was helpful. Talk to you next week.